Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Trevor Anderson going first here. Uh, chart manager here at Billboard along with Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. Uh, and as you guys know, this is the place where we like to find out why what's on the charts is on the charts. A lot of happening this week. Not Maybe not quite as, as, as crazy as last week was. I know a lot of people were, were anxiously waiting to see what would happen with the new Taylor Swift song, uh, Look What You Made Me Do. It did hit number one. And uh, once again, holding on strong at number one again this week. Big news for Taylor is, of course, that she's got another song out already in the top ten of the top 100 as well. Ready for it, which came out. Um, a lot of people seen it with the teasers that had come through on uh, on some of the football games. So Taylor with two songs in the Billboard Hot 100's top 10. As soon as she's back, it's like she takes over instantly. Yeah. And uh, women back in the top five because Cardi B is number two as well. So after all, uh, after uh, Despacito being number one for a record tying 16 weeks and men uh, controlling the top of the charts uh, just like that, women are back on top. Is, I mean, it's, that, it's that quick, you know, it's like a new season, a new, a new, Taylor a season. new month, a new... Uh, it's hey. spring, summer, Taylor. Swift season. Spring, summer, Swift. I like it. That's good. Uh, so we'll talk uh, all things Taylor and really get into... Yeah, she's been on just such a nonstop run since her career started. Can she keep hitting even greater career heights for everything she's already accomplished? Has she even hit her ceiling? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll also have a cool uh, industry insider interview this week. Uh, Writer-producer Sam Martin, who's uh, written hits for Maroon 5, Hero Daylight, Jason Derulo, Wanna Want Me, which is uh, Sam Martin's highest peaking uh, Hot 100 hit, got to number five. So we'll uh, get into songwriting and uh, producing with Sam Martin, who's also stepping out on his own now as, an, as, as a recording artist. So he's got a new song out, Bring Me Home. So we'll get into that. Sam's really uh, articulate and really uh, it's kind of fun to get into the mind of a songwriter. And uh, Sam is, is great with some of these details he'll share. And after that, we will take a nice flashback, take a field trip to 1985. Um, another woman who, after a really long hiatus, had come back in a big way and continued her record streak. So we'll talk about somebody who was uh, lighting these charts up and movie theaters as well back in 85. All right. Right now, this week's Billboard Hot 100's Top 10. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 10. Number nine. Number eight. Last days last by the grace of the fire and the flames. You're the face of the future. Number seven. Number six. Number five. 
number five. Number four. Number three. Number two. And number one. What you made me do, look what you just made me do, look what you just made me do, look what you made me do, look what you made me do, look what you just made me do, look what you just made me do. And bringing us out once again at number one, Taylor Swift, look what you made me do, second week at number one on the Hot 100. And as you guys heard, uh, right before that, we got Cardi B, Bodak Yellow, right. uh, bumping right there at number two so women in the the top two slots um as both as lead artists very important there for the first time in nearly three years i know we've seen we've seen a couple featured women get through there we've seen um i mean not not one and two but in the past couple of months you know halsey's been a featured act and right. our number one hit rihanna was just at number two for um over a month with wild thoughts but uh two women and importantly two women all on their own yeah in some ways i, I guess it doesn't quite feel like it's been that long because uh, the last time that happened, Taylor Swift was one of them. So you don't think uh, it was some artist we haven't uh, we haven't heard from in so long. It's Taylor Swift. It was Taylor Swift and Megan Trainer last time. So if it's still Swift in the conversation, it doesn't really feel like it was that long ago. But then you say almost three years. It's kind of crazy. Something interesting too, though. You know, when you when you look at the fact that it is Taylor Swift, I mean. What does that say? Like that—that that sort of only Taylor Swift or Taylor Swift has to be part of this equation, right? I mean, I think some people would kind of, you know, obviously if you're a Swifty or whatnot, you people love to celebrate that—that that, you know she is, she is the one. She is, you know, we talked Despacito. She's the one who can stop the record streak if you wanted it to be stopped. But I think for some people, they may kind of lament that you know only one woman can 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 be at the top at the time, and it has to be her. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's almost like she's in her own category. And it's kind of like at, at country for years when uh, it's sort of like the only country women who had number one hits or, or, or big string of hits uh, throughout the late 2000s into this decade uh, were Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood. So it's like you had this category of women, but it was just two. And now it's almost uh, in pop music like Taylor Swift. Is yeah. the only one at the moment. Yeah, Adele is on is on a little bit of a break. So is Rihanna. So at the moment, it kind of feels like Taylor is fully representing women. In pop and music. and would you would you guess that? I guess going into the year, people thought you know, okay, Lady Gaga's got the album at the end of last year. Katy Perry obviously had a you know an album come out this year. A couple singles from that. I mean, would you have thought that if someone were to say you know it would only be Taylor? It, I, I would have to wait until nine months in the year when you're, Taylor's you're dragging me into the Katy Perry Taylor Swift battle. I'm just, Trevor. it's not. That's not it. I'm just curious. I think it's just. I think it's just interesting that you know that we've kind of gotten to this point because people were waiting for so long. And at the same time, it's like, is, is is there only one woman in the pop game, really? Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's probably pretty safe at this point that people would think that the Katy Perry album probably underperformed in terms of its singles, had the one top five. But that's such a drop-off from what she's done before that. So it's not like it was throughout the decade where you had Katie and Taylor battling for number one on the Hot 100. It's it's pretty much Taylor at this point. All Taylor. So uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, kind of leads into that and, and sort of maybe proving our point in a positive way that uh, maybe Taylor Swift hasn't hit her career peak, which is kind of crazy when you think about everything she's already achieved. Uh, last album. Spent 11 weeks at number one on the Billboard 200, 1989. That tied her a career high, uh, Fearless, in 2008. Uh, 1989 produced five Hot 100 Top 10s. That's her most so far from an album. Uh, Blank Space replaced Shake It Off at number one on the Hot 100. Taylor became the first woman to succeed herself at number one. And, and, and she, only woman, we might add. Right, only woman. And, and I mean, you kind of uh, you think at this point it wasn't that long ago. She was still segueing from country to pop. 
with the 1989 album. It was her first uh, documented pop album. So that's what she did just with the last album. And now she's come back kind of thank you. Her career has just been on just such an, an upward trajectory since she started. Can't she just keep going? At what point does a career arc start to level off? And, and where is Taylor? Well, I mean, of course, it's, it, I guess it goes back to that age-old kind of adage that you, you keep winning until you lose, right? And so, um, you know, none of us really will, will know the point. I mean, I think the same thing we can see with, with a lot of artists in the, in the past, that it seemed like they were on these, these up and ups. And, you know, at some point, at some point it stops for, for everybody. Um, of course, she looks like that's a very distant, distant future for her. Um, I think one thing also kind of to underscore that point that people may not realize is that uh, her first week album sales still to this to this point in time uh, – are better with each successive album. So uh, you want to talk into, you know, Fearless sold better than her debut, obviously, because she was an established star at the time, but Speak Now sold better than Fearless in its first week. Red sold more than Speak Now. And then we have 1989 selling uh, just under 1.3 million. So, you know, we're at this point now where, where she really, in a way, has not peaked yet. And that's just one measure, obviously, but I think it's a very important measure that, the the demand is there the fans are still there and i think that also ties into what is sort of an underestimated point about her is the the marketing power she made 1989 into a bigger deal and a bigger event than red with with a lot of the polaroids you know people went and bought multiple copies of the album just to get that entire collection i know when red came out i mean they were selling it at you know papa john's which is something that people you know would never you'd never think about but i think um, I think Papa John's reported it sold maybe like 2,000 copies of that, which, you know, is not obviously in the, in the scheme of a million, it may not be that much. But, you know, 2,000 people buying a pizza decided, let's go ahead and why not just buy this album while I'm here. I mean, right. that is it's just total pop culture immersion at that point. I mean, really, isn't Taylor Swift at that point where she's just about as big as a household name as you could get in, in pop culture at this point? Well, I mean, she's about to be on UPS trucks for right. this album, which is – I mean, that's just that's just so I mean pervasive in the sense that anytime you see a UPS truck, you may see an ad for a Taylor Swift uh, album out there. When you step out onto the street, you're, you're at that point you're putting yourself in the way of you might just see Taylor anywhere. That's that's it. Not truly. safe to leave your house. I mean, <laughs> so yes, some some uh, some Katie cats maybe maybe hiding out until November, but yeah, I mean, it's all eyes on on her. That they'll be hissing at UPS trucks, the uh, Katie Cats. Well, I don't know if they'll be hissing because you know hissing now is with the snake, and the snake is the snake is the new Taylor symbol. So they have to find a new. Maybe they'll purr at it. That's what happy Katie Cats do. Well, maybe they'll hiss at it. I, That's well, what I just said. Oh, you see what Taylor did? Another she co-opted battle. hissing. <laughs> She's you can't hiss because she owns that now. All right, so uh, we looking at the point now where she's uh, Taylor Swift is eleven years into her career. She started uh, two thousand six. She uh, started charting and has just never stopped. So I thought we'd look at three superstar female artists who maybe have comparable careers to see where they were eleven years in, and, and maybe to help us uh, chart wise see uh, where Taylor is uh, potentially uh, at this point in her career. So uh, let's do one each from the eighties, nineties, and two thousands when their careers started. Madonna in the 80s. So she started uh, around 1983. She started having a hot 100 hits. 11 years in would put her around 94, 95. Uh, at that point where Taylor is now, Madonna had her longest leading a hot 100 hit, Take a Bow, seven weeks at number one, 1995. Part of that uh, is because Nielsen data at that point had taken over the charts and the songs generally had uh, longer runs at number one, but uh, I mean, pretty good at that almost, point. In that sense, it's almost more impressive that Like a Virgin got six weeks back in 84. Right. I mean, right. that was – nobody Nobody even came close to that till 91. Right. That was huge. Yeah. So uh, Madonna at that point had uh, a career song, uh, at least in terms of chart performance. Uh, she still had a dozen more top 10 albums since uh, the mid-90s, 10 more Hot 100 top 10s, and, and obviously she's just a complete icon at this point. Uh, not the same way just every time she'd put out a single, it would be a top 10 Hot 100 hit that uh, leveled off, but still uh, just uh, Madonna comes back with new music. It's an event. It may not, again, have all those hit singles like it used to, but uh, you know, Madonna is, she's 59 years old to still be such a, a, a just a, a huge name in pop music and always will be she's done pretty well after that point yeah and i think that kind of uh kind of related to that i mean one of the reasons in particular you have to look at madonna and why she was able to last for so long is going through these these transformations of image you know she was 
she was kind of her what she was in her debut phase i mean the like a prayer era brought her a little more social conscious um she just has these reinventions every right. five six years uh taylor at least from what we see i mean obviously the the big one is the the country to pop crossover that became official with this last album um and this this next album seems like it may be i mean i know one i know one album is kind of a quick for a transformation but based on what we've seen you know i mean from the album cover from from the imagery from the 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 kind of direct you know um line of fire that she's going on i mean there's rumors that she's not going to do press for the album as part of her you know sort of um, i don't want to say war on media that seems a little too too hyperbolic but you know this could be a new taylor swift as well i mean somebody you know who's totally owning you know this 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 dark moody persona that, that she has i mean it's it's so funny how different instantly it is like compared to 1989 where everything i mean shake it off obviously kind of has the same message in a way behind it right. but presented like in a way yeah, different it, it, way the happy smiley version of i'm not my, gonna let this get me down yeah, right. you know i'm gonna rise above it and, yeah, I, was, I was thinking about that how look what you made me do and shake it off are pretty similar but they're just completely opposite in presentation yeah i mean a hundred thousand percent so, yeah, no, that's a good point about how Madonna was always reinventing herself. And that's uh, kind of what Taylor seems to be into now. This new, the new bad, the bad, t- the, old, the, the old Taylor is dead. So there I, you go. Yeah, I guess the, the, the bad blood took over and, you know. Even though we called the old Taylor last week. I, <laughs> yes. Uh, shameless plug for last week's podcast. If you did not listen, uh, we, yeah, we, we connected with the old Taylor and saw what she was up to. Maybe we'll get a few more listens this week <laughs> from that one. Uh, let's move into the 90s. Mariah Carey, uh, first decade uh, plus, absolutely historic, 15 Hot 100 number ones from 1990 to 2000. She had three more since then, uh, seven more top tens since 2000, but a little different than than Madonna, I guess. And I, I say this as, as the biggest Mariah fan. I just wasn't able to keep up that absolutely insanely historic level of her first decade. No, and I mean – uh yeah definitely one of those things where it was was huge for a long time then of course the dip um and i mean the, the second win that mariah carries is truly got to be one of the big comebacks in music history i know she doesn't like to call it a comeback i know she was i mean and i know it wasn't you know an insanely long gap you know just five six years right. but in music terms in a lot of ways that that is that's the whole era especially for somebody who would be on the the upper side of 30 to come back in such a big way and not even just come back with you know a couple top tens. I mean, We Belong Together was everywhere the summer of 2005. So there's two examples, Madonna uh, and Mariah, a little bit different uh, in, in that second decade. And uh, for the 2000s, uh, maybe this is the best comparison to Taylor uh, because of in some ways how similar their chart careers are and also uh, it's a similar era. Rihanna for the 2000s since uh, Rihanna started on the charts just a year before Taylor in uh, 2005. So she's 12 years in. She's number six this week on the Hot 100. We just heard her in the top 10. So she's completely uh, still at the top of her game. 31 top 10s uh, on the Hot 100. That's uh, third after the Beatles and Madonna, who leads with 38. And uh, like Taylor, she's kind of gone nonstop since uh, she started uh, the social media digital era where you can uh, keep putting out music. You don't have to necessarily wait so long between product because you can just uh, put it out uh, digitally. Uh, is that maybe the fairest comparison at this point to taylor swift um maybe i I, well i mean i kind of i don't know i kind of hesitate because i think rihanna benefits certainly from from her her feature power because in particular i think one thing that that, that's kind of understated that you can kind of do is if it's not a rihanna song you know and she's still featuring on it she can kind of in a way pass the buck to like the other artists and and maybe even their label or their their promotion team to like help boost it because you know Cal's team wants to hit or jay-z's team wants to hit not that she she obviously does her part as well you know in the video and, and talking about it online but you know it almost like doesn't doesn't she she doesn't have to burn herself out and her energy and her momentum every single time for all of these hits that have you know I mean we're talking third one top ten so right. they've all been successful um, Taylor and I think Taylor's a little more interesting because she 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 for so long has been Taylor Swift I mean the Zayn song um, we saw this past year one of her few collaborations I mean she's had that one Saving Sound with the Civil Wars she had a duet with Tim McGraw but other than that I can't think of anything else that has not been just a Taylor Swift song. Right. But, and she too, though, has also kind of paired up with that. You know, there's been a, some couple of re-releases, a couple standalone singles. So she definitely has been able to fill the gaps in that same way. Um, but I think, 
I think one of the things too is that pop radio and the pop centric audience hasn't had Taylor Swift for very long. I mean, she's been out for 11 years, but she really hasn't been actively in that sphere. Right. Maybe since I knew you were trouble came out. So in a way she's fresh to yeah, that market. True. I mean, only like point. an album and a half rather than what really is five, six albums. So I think that there's not a lot of burnout, not a lot of, you know, it's a different sound, different audience, different demographics. So to me, um, she now can benefit from that sort of angle we talked about with Rihanna, with Bieber, with others that, you know, a song a month, a song every two, three months. Right. Even won't Bieber. Be overkill. He, you, know, you mentioned Bieber. He, he's kind of similar, too. He's been around since, what, 2009 at this point. And it almost yeah. feels like he started over and, and completely hit his stride at, at pop radio in, in about 2015 with the last album. So uh, kind of similar to, to Taylor and Bieber. They've been around for so long. But, they, yeah, they're sort of somewhat new artists at pop. At pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, people people know Bieber songs, and they you know they'll know that they oh yeah baby and oh yeah boyfriend, but they don't have this for some reason they don't have the same kind of I think um, attachment the way that you know a sorry or something will right where you're and you know they both started really young and you could say Miley Cyrus she literally was a different person she was Hannah Montana so <laughs> yeah when you, when you start that young you you hit uh, your twenties and you you kind of start over in some ways maybe that kind of what all three of those have done yeah I'd agree. And uh, Rihanna, uh, too, uh, talking about adapting. Uh, she's had so many different sounds. You never quite know what you're going to get for, from a Rihanna song, other than it's probably going to be a hit. But work was so different from this is what you came for and then love on the brain. So she's got a lot of different sounds. I think that keeps her fresh, too. Yeah. And I mean, over the over the years, especially, I mean, you look at something like Russian Roulette from, you know, Rated R, kind of her dark album, transitioned from that straight into loud, you know, this. Digging Russian Roulette yeah, yeah. Heard that one of the Long live yeah. Russian roulette. People people forget about that one. That was the it, first single, wasn't was, it? Yeah, it yeah. was. It was the first it was the first song really for since after the, the post Chris Brown and all of that. So it right. was you know, it was her sort of uh her dark album. And then yeah, to go straight from that into Loud, Only Girl and songs like that. I mean, Rihanna Rihanna has a lot of different masks. She wears them all so well. Right. I wouldn't mind more ballads from her. She she sounds great. You you, you rarely get them. Faithful every once in a while. Yeah. Take a bow. Stay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, well, again, a lot of these answers are we'll we'll find out. But uh, it seems like Taylor Swift certainly can keep uh, going and, and and having hits. And she's she's only twenty seven years old, so she's she's still pretty young by pop music is she standards. Re- oh, she is. Wow. Wow. She is only twenty seven. Huh. Yeah. Two album of the year Grammys already hanging out at her house. She uh, she writes her own stuff. She you know, controls pop culture like almost no one else. Uh, she and Celine Dion they now have the honor of ending the longest Hot 100 reigns ever, ending One Sweet Day by, by Mariah after 16 weeks and Boys to Men, and now Despacito after 16 weeks. Uh, Look set the weekly streaming record for a song by a woman. Look what you made me do. So she's off to just a great start with reputation. So I think at this point. It, it probably seems safe to say she's still very much at her peak. Yeah, I, well, I think for a lot of people, this this album will sort of be a bellwether. Um, I mean, I imagine it'll have the initial, you know, huge flood, but um, a lot of it. I mean, all eyes will be on how she how she handles all of these things because, as we all know, as everyone is as looking out for, a lot has sort of happened in the past couple of years that has that have that have turned certain people against her, certain I you know concepts, whether it was the Kim Kanye, whether it was the Katy Perry thing, whether it was the Calvin Harris or whatever. So um I think she you know, she she obviously will handle it however she wants to, but I think a lot of people will be watching this one and wondering if any of that because she hasn't really faced anything like that in her career. And is there enough, you know, sort of backlash against her that, that it starts to come down. Even if it does start to come down though, um I mean, you got to admit, she has a long way to go before she, she would hit rock bottom. And, you know, interesting sign. It's sort of a small thing, but it's it's telling at the same time. Uh, Ready For It, uh, the second song that uh, debuts this week at number four on the Hot 100. Uh, it debuts at number 35 on the Pop Songs Airplay chart. It's not a single. It's not a radio single. Radio is basically just playing this on their own. And you rarely see a song uh, just on its own. Uh, radio stations play what's promoted so for them to jump out obviously it's taylor swift but it it just doesn't happen too often so that's just a sign of where the appetite is right now for more taylor swift music and and good for radio to to jump on that moment and 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 play up on that attention yeah and um i mean between the first two songs we've also seen 
kind of some of the cracks about what's behind the scenes in the album. Jack Antonoff working on on Look What You Made Me Do and writing that with her. Uh, this latest song, Ready For It, Shellback, Max Martin. So a lot of the people that we saw in 1989, you know, re- repurposing their roles. And so um, help, make sure under the sound, you know, will probably be something very similar. Obviously very successful. So you don't really want to change a change your horse in midstream. Um, but we'll see what uh, what else Max Martin and, and company have. And maybe at some point, and no one seems to know, maybe Taylor doesn't even know herself, but you know, maybe five, ten years from now, uh, she does another country album. And maybe that is another uh, segue in her career and, and brings in new fans or brings back uh, fans that may uh, have, may not have liked the segue to pop. So, again, that plays into uh, the audiences out there for. Yeah, I know a lot of people who really who really say, you know, they, they miss the old Taylor. So she's always she's always welcome if she ever wants to revive her. <laughs> A phone call away, the old Taylor. One call away, Charlie Puth. A little clip of Jason Derulo, Wanna Want Me. So why are we playing that after uh, talking about Taylor Swift uh, for so long? Uh, the writer, Sam Martin, one of the co-writers of the song, is our industry insider interview special guest this week on the podcast. Uh, he's written uh, not only Wanna Want Me, he co-wrote Maroon 5's Daylight, big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, other songs, Maroon 5, David Guetta, Prince Royce, Nick Jonas. So he's really uh, jumped into the whole uh, writing and producing side and done really well. And now he's making the jump to being his own artist. He has a new song out, Bring Me Home. So uh, we're going to actually talk about how Julia Michaels has uh, made that same kind of leap from being uh, a writer to being her, her own artist. So it was really fun. We, we uh, talked to Sam and really just wound up uh, going deep into some of the some uh, just thoughts about songwriting and where songs come from. And, and uh, Sam's a, a really interesting guy. So we had fun talking to him. And uh, here he is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In this week's Billboard Sharpie podcast. And when the daylight comes on, Sam Martin, thank you so much for coming on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pretty exciting time, right? You've been uh, more behind the scenes. This is your breakthrough, and I'm, I'm thinking you're you're kind of following in some pretty good footsteps. Uh, Alex DeKid, Julia Michaels, if we go back further, Sia, have all broken out from being uh, writers, producers, a little more behind the scenes, to now being uh, the main artist. That's very true. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, I love Ju- Julia Michaels, and I used to write together in the in the early days. Like that, we came up together. So it's been fun to watch her and see as a hero. And I met her a couple times, and we always ask her advice on how she likes to approach all this stuff. It's been very interesting to hear her perspective. Alex the kid, I only met once, of course, but but he's a hero. So, so, so as a songwriter, what's your what's your favorite written Sia song? Oh gosh, well shoot, well I I fell in love with Titanium. Uh, and then I, I like I even liked her chorus on Wild Ones, and but then you know Chandelier is the most ridiculous chorus melody, and you know it's like very much like Freddie Mercury or something. Uh, just the acrobatics of her 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 vocal melody and her ability to uh, uh, to, to pull it off—it's ridiculous. So 
So is it daunting? It can be safe to be a producer and writer. You're a little bit more uh, hidden overall. So what's it like for you uh, stepping out, uh, more being the actual main artist uh, now that you're releasing new music of your own? Oh, I, yeah. No, I, I think when I started out, uh, it was all, all this has been like a series of very unlikely circumstances for me to have gotten even to this place. And getting to be even a writer was insane, you know, like I literally had almost quit music professionally like three or four times before I was discovered it was, uh, it was intense. But the, um, but it's almost like it feels a lot, the the pressure feels a lot less intense because uh, I feel like it was more intense a few years ago with the Dangerous, Dangerous with uh, David Guetta because I didn't feel like I had really finished my studying of songwriting you know like not that you ever finished but i didn't feel i felt like there was so much that i could learn now now i feel like more comfortable in my voice like i'm able to write i I feel that i've met so many people that have done so many amazing things and i've got to see how everyone works at this level and i just feel like uh i've i I know where i am of value and i know where other people are, are better than me and and these areas and and so just just to uh, and I know the message that I want to put out now as opposed to like kind of feeling like I needed to please everyone and say you know write the way they wanted me to write because I was so new you know I, I was like oh when I was a kid I, I never thought that you could write songs for other people so I only always wrote it for myself so you like being the person making all the decisions now you're back to writing for yourself putting out you said your message and what is your message well, hmm, uh, it's that's a very deep question. Uh, basically, usually back in the day, I was always writing uh, about what I was thinking about in life. Like, so if I had just come to the conclusion that all the people in the world are the same in so many ways, we all like lo- want want love and want to be loved. We all want to you know, have families and have connections with friends. I just start. I had come to these conclusions, you know, that, that, oh, geez, it's all about this, you know, and then I'd write about it. Or I'd, like, for instance, there's a new song coming up where it was really on my mind that, that the, the, the military industrial complex where people are, uh, you know, people do make quite a bit of money uh, as long as, as wars, as wars are going on. So I thought, well, I have a, I can write that from the perspective of a, a child who's innocent, you know, and then I wrote a song to my son who hadn't been born yet. And I thought, here's like a poem to my son and how much we're going to love you, you know. And um, those were the things that really like, you know, I, I like to have fun and joke around and be crazy. But I also, you know, I my, I really ta- I really want to know what's true and, you know, and how things work. And so I always expressed my self like that and so when i came into the pop world it was really hard for me to write you know like sexual innuendos and stuff all the time and so i i just didn't i didn't like it that much so it was fun that's what i mean when i found my voice i was like oh yeah because like my first hit song was called daylight and if you read it you could by maroon five and you could read it as a love song or as someone that like you, you could interpret it however you want but i interpreted it as either it says here I, here I am waiting I'll have to leave soon. It's either a soldier going to war or a kid go, having to leave to go to college or somebody that's, you know, passing on, you know. It was like a very deep song to me. And so it was cool that I accidentally made it so that, you know, any person could relate to it, but it was an accident. So uh I was just writing from a very deep place and uh, they just interpreted it as something that could be a, a pop song, you know? <laughs> so uh, that was a pretty, that was like my first hit. Then I kind of got into the world and songs like Dangerous and Want to Want Me, you know, that that didn't really mean anything. Uh, they just were catchy pop songs, you know? And that, that was fun to do too, but that wasn't really my heart, you know? My heart was to, uh, yeah. Do you find that it's almost sort of harder? Because, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, when you think of pop songs, they think it's so easy. Anybody could write this, you know, it's it's whatever. But, I mean, you're saying it's, <laughs> no it's way. harder to write something sort of, you know, simple, you know, not not too many, you know, big words in it. I mean, it's kind of harder to write a, a pop song like Want to Want Me than, you know, something more, a, a ballad or something deeper. 
Oh, uh, it's all hard, man. The, 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 they're masters. The, like, that's what's been cool. I, I've got to meet masters of pop and it is, uh, so hard. And it's been really, I'm so, I mean, I've got to work with Max Martin and Dr. Luke and I know that I can, I can play in there. You know, I can, these guys, you know, I never would claim to be anything, but I know that I'm not, you know, I'm definitely in the right business for what I was born with, you know. So that was cool to, uh, to, to learn from them and to get better with them and, uh, and to see how hard this is, you know, and then to get the lyrics that, are effective for what the pop music because you can't write if you write too deep of a lyric on a catchy fun pop song it just sounds out of place so you have to find the right language for every single melody and every single bit of music you're writing it's 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 it is nothing is easy nothing you know although i did write you know daylight in 15 minutes it it it's it's you know i haven't you know most of the songs are you know just uh are tough you know it's tough you spend a lot of time waiting for those magical moments to come and when they come you want to be ready and you want to have had so much experience writing so many songs that didn't work that when one's coming and you know it's gonna work that you're you don't ruin it you know and that's been that's the other side of it that's becoming like a craftsman you know like a master of your craft you know not just getting lucky once you know yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you, Sam. Is it uh, is songwriting? It's part uh, honing that craft, but then, as you just said, waiting for those moments of inspiration to come along. So it's a mix of uh, repetition and craft, but also still waiting for inspiration. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, if you show my life, my life story, like if everything that went well for me, or you know, or, or that went my way, it's as if it came to me instead of. I would say I prepared for it, like, you know, luck favors the prepared. But, like, if a few moments hadn't happened, I mean, I can tell you most how many ways that the song Want to Want Me could have been derailed or could have not even come into existence is insane. Like, the chances of that song existing from who we were writing with that day uh, to, to uh, you know, to the fact that I had just heard it you know, some music from the eighties that I was super inspired by for no, I don't even, sometimes a song just pops out at me, inspires me so much. I, it's like, I hadn't heard it before, you know, some, uh, just a song that everyone else knows and thinks, Oh, what, what's so special about that? That's was a hit 40 years ago, you know, but like, it'll just pop out. It's just almost like, it's like, it's, I'm being like, uh, it's like coming upon me, like how brilliant that was, you know? And so what I, I like, for instance, daylight, I woke up from a dream at two in the morning, uh, you know, this is, I'm not, I have had no success at this point. I've had, I'm basically a struggling songwriter. And I wake up from a dream with the verse melody in my head. And I, I was like, what? What is this? And so I, I wake up, which is very rare. I go to the piano, I put down the verse, and I go back to bed. And then the next morning I woke up and I see, I go, oh my God. I go, that's pretty good. That sounds like a pop song. So, cause I was just learning how to write pop music at that time. Right. And, um, uh, I said, okay. And then literally within 10 minutes, the pre-chorus and the, the chorus had been written, at least the melody. And I remember I tweaked the lyrics for quite a bit, but, um, but, uh, that, that, all that, the good, the, the meat of that song was written from a dream. And then 10 minutes later, I mean, 10 minutes in the morning and, you know, and, and it changed my life. It, it got, I introduced me to Max Martin and introduced me to Adam Levine and introduced me to Justin Bieber. It introduced me to a whole world of writing that I was never familiar with. And then I had to like, like get in there and start writing with all these people. I was super uncomfortable. I didn't know anything. And, uh, and finally found, you know, my, my friends and people that were going to be, uh, who were going to, we were going to change each other's lives, you know, with our writing. And, uh, and one of those, I mean, I had a lot of songs that came out in that time period. And then uh, Want to Want Me was sort of the, with Jason Derulo, was just like massive song that, that none of us could have predicted. But um, it, it came from, a, from from all that, those years of sitting in those sessions with all those awkward people and <laughs> and uh, finding my friend, you know, finding people we were comfortable with. I just like how songwriters are more productive in their sleep than most people are during the day while they're awake. <laughs> Always thinking. Always thinking. Uh, it's a bizarre, bizarre thing to do for a living. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, I, I find like people don't know where the ideas come from. I, I study Bob Dylan. I study John Lennon. I study 
you know, all uh, a lot of people that I have been really inspired by, and and they all kind of say the same thing. They're kind of like, they kind of like it comes through them from somewhere else. Right. It's they always say that. They never say like, oh, anyone that they don't like. I've watched people write hit songs in front of me. I've written hit songs in front of other people, and it's it's just a mystery. And you're like, why can't I do it again? Why can't I do it on command? And I've watched Max Martin sit there and like not be able to come up with something that that good and i've and i've watched you know him just like absolutely do something brilliant you know and so it's like it's it's just i think i've just accepted that you know the i i've i don't know who told me this but it sounded like the greeks thought of of the word genius differently than we do we think of like oh you're a genius so like am i always a genius like when i go to the bathroom you like or when i you like no the but the, uh, the someone who was genius was someone who was capable of of having a moment that was genius as opposed to you're always a genius you know and so i always look around i have like the friends who just can write the dumb we all can write the dumbest things and then all of a sudden you'll look the other way and they'll just come up with something so brilliant you can't even you don't even know where it came from so uh that's that's my 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 i so i kind of like whenever i write with people i'm like oh you are capable of something genius you know so Let's let's see if it will strike today. And you mentioned Sam that uh, sometimes you're you're writing with people you've never maybe met before, or don't know that well. Is that that's going to be awkward, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's such a personal process, uh, songwriting. Oh, it's very unnatural. I, I've I have a lot. Of, I've kind of come full circle because I've had fun like just being crazy. Like I used to travel a lot, and so you get into the craziest situations, and it was kind of fun. You know, once you started to embrace that, oh, I can't believe I met that guy and. And that thing happened, and you know. So the, when I was songwriting with people, and I, you know, at first I was like, "This is terrifying," because uh, I'm not. I used to write all my songs were in my parents' basement, you know, and by myself. And I would like bring like two people down to come listen to my song, and that was sort of my way of expressing myself. And then like then they're asking me, "Okay, go into a room with someone you've never met and do that very thing that you've done in your parents' basement for." by yourself in those like very intimate moments and try to do that in front of someone you've never met. And I, frankly, I think it's unnatural, you know, I think the whole thing, but the thing is like, you have to power through because you'll meet some people along the way that you will get comfortable with and you will be able to like, like really express yourself. There was, I was with a friend that Sean Douglas and we wrote this song and we were like crying at the end of it. And that was after a few years of writing together. And so we had really come a long way, you know, so you kind of have to trust is earned over time, you know? <laughs> but Yeah. But I still like grow, will go back to my, a lot of my best songs have come in a quiet moment by myself. And then I've gone out and, and, and showed the idea or the beginning of an idea to my friends and writer, co-writers and producers. And, if they love it, then we'll we'll all put our heads together and and knock it out, you know. It was always you. Can't believe I could not see it all this time. All this time. It was always you. Now I know why my heart wasn't satisfied. Satisfied. It was always you. My favorite song that was never a proper radio single was uh it was called it was always you by maroon five and that one was uh just like we just thought we had hit we thought we had just written the most greatest song ever and <laughs> and uh, uh i had started it in my little my room and i played it for my wife on a, a unplugged electric guitar and she didn't really like it <laughs> and i said what what do you mean and uh and she said i don't know and then I played it for the guys and they were like, yeah, this is pretty good. And then we went to finish it and they, they all crushed it. Like it became, oh, I just brought the, the beginning of the idea in and, uh, they, uh, we all like put our heads together and really knocked it out. And then that became my wife. It was one of her favorite songs we've ever done. So, yeah. but it was, uh, <laughs> but it's like that all that it was like that. There's only a few times where we've written a song and it's been in the room, started from the room and actually it's just, you know, my personality is like that. I have a couple of friends who just flourish in the room. And I always kind of envied that because I never felt that I was that magical in the room. I, I really was more kind of had my moments when I would be alone and think about, you know, have have the emotion. And then 
then I just you go and get some help, find a great producer or a co-producer or a, you know whatever someone that's maybe better in at, at that particular that I think would do well with that song, you know, or whatever. So. One of the things we've noticed, uh, Sam, is uh, almost no hits now on the Billboard Hot 100 and a lot of the pop charts are written by one person anymore. And if you go back decade by decade, it just it's gotten less and less. If you go back like 30, 40 years, it used to be about half the chart. Uh, songs are written by one person, Billy Joel or, or whoever. Great. You think that's a good Great thing point. for pop music? Do you think it matters or is just uh, a song is a song? It doesn't matter I, if one person or 10 people wrote it. <laughs> I think... It's usually okay. I think there would have been more writers back then because producers now get writer if they don't, even if they don't write it. So, like, that's one thing. If you have multiple producers, like John Lennon and Paul McCartney would have had to include uh, George Martin as a writer nowadays, you know? So it would have been three writers on that. And then so maybe, and I've heard the George contract negotiations and, and things like that have changed yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. George Harrison wrote parts of Eleanor Rigby and. He's not a writer on it. That that would never fly now. So any you get one line, you get you get you know you co-produce, you you put a little drum loop in there. You, you you're getting a writer. You're getting five percent, two percent, ten percent. You know the artists are getting percentages sometimes if 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 it's an outside song, uh, even if you know just just it's just kind of common courtesy, and uh, and uh, you know and so you've got that. That's one reason I think, and. But I like, you know, like, I always feel that one person has the, except there have been a few co-writes where it's like, wow, that was just 50-50. Like, we just not, like, even though I always, you always split it 50-50, there's usually someone who takes the lead that day. I've been on both sides of that, you know. I've been on, uh, I've been the leader and, like, just totally carried the torch at times. And then a, a lot of times I have sat back and tried to facilitate and, Say, hey, you. We can beat that chorus melody, or we we can. That's not gonna fly, you know. We gotta beat that, you know. And then then you know. And then I always feel that someone just kind of catches fire, and we help them. And and that's kind of the beauty of co-writing. And I I've studied like you know John Lennon and Paul McCartney for my whole life, and and that's how it seemed to have been there too, you know. Like one would just catch fire and write Hey Jude, and John Lennon would just kind of tweak a few things and say Hey and. You want to, but they were partners, you know, so that was cool. That's the thing nowadays, you know. You're writing with so many different people that it's hard to get in that groove of... of uh, fit. I have a new theory about... I do think a lot of great content comes from unexpected places and kind of the fabricated session. I, I have my a little bit of doubts about as far as like the greatest songs ever written. You know, I think you can get lots of good stuff out there, but I just feel like, you know, this organicness that can happen between two people uh, is really, uh, really special. I have a kid that I'm training up that is coming along amazing, and he's, he's like, definitely better than me at stuff that I've start, started showing him. And I, I used to play teach him guitar lessons when he was 12, you know, and now look at him, you know, and so I, we're like, our fathers were friends and, and, and so we have a chemistry that you can't kind of, you know, you can't kind of conjure up in a, in a, in a, in a lab, you know, and I always felt that way, you know, like what good could come from Liverpool, you know, like what good could come from, you know, uh, wherever, you know, Gary, Indiana, wherever Michael Jackson's from, you know, like what good could come from where I'm from, you know, Oregon, you know, and so, you know, you don't get, what good could come from Seattle, you know, and there's, and, and Kurt Cobain, and Kurt Cobain's not even from Seattle, he's from like a country town in between Portland and Seattle, where I'm from, and, um, you know, I always think it's like that, you know, these huge bands that take over the world, or they come from these obscure places, you know, you can, you can track that in a lot of, uh, a lot of history, you know. I just want to go back to one thing you said before, uh, Sam, lessons from Max Martin, just because he's written more Billboard Hot 100 oh, yeah. number ones than anyone uh, not named Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Was there any any specific lesson or anything specific you, you feel like you have learned uh, from, from Max, from watching him, from, from being... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't get to be around him like like those uh, some of the Swedes do, you know, but uh, my times with him were huge. I mean... Gosh, I, it's it's almost like like I guess I could say little things like 
he was he was uh, worried about uh, the phrasing that we were ending each phrase in each section of the song the same, and that an ear would uh, an audience would be bored by that. So you want to change up your fra- your your general phrases. So you know if you keep ending on the third beat on in the verse and the pre and the chorus, which is very common for a songwriter to do, uh, you might watch out. That that you need, you might need to pay attention. There were certain things about vowels, and he he's a master of ad libs. Like he'll just he'll go through. Uh, he spends so much time on ad libs, and then I start you know as I've done, I've realized, oh man, once you get to the third chorus, you need to start thinking this way. Like you need to make it feel fresh. So you got to have really smart and uh, well done ad. I mean, every Max Martin song has like by the third chorus, you, you'll notice. It feels fresh. It's, it, it, you've kept my attention through that. Um, I just uh, his vocal producing is so detailed. He's kind of like a, it seems like he's like OCD or something with that. He's so particular about it, and that was a big lesson. And uh, you know, do doing songs multiple times. And he also surprised me because when we did Daylight, I was brand new, and and he uh, he uh, he said, "Okay, comp the vocal." Comp this Adam Levine vocal. I was like, okay. So I we wanted to do like a perfect job where there was nothing. Because I heard, you know, he's Swedish. He must be uh, just clean, 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 you know. So we found the most clean uh, clean takes and we put him in there. And he came in. He said, Let's show me where you're at. I said, okay. So he, he uh, we played it for him and he uh, he said, oh, it's it's too clean. And I was like, what? <laughs> too clean? I was like, I didn't argue or anything. I was just in my mind going like, too clean. Uh, that's crazy. And he get he goes, yeah, just step aside. And he step aside and he gets in there and and uh, uh, starts tweaking. And he's just finding little gravel and little little mistakes that Adam had done and and stuff. And I thought that's what I would have done. Dang it, you know, I was just all nervous. So anyway, I realized he was very aware of like how to make a person feel human even though he was a perfectionist and you know stuff like that and just how he finished like daylight i wasn't we weren't great producers or anything and uh he finished that record like i had written you know a ton of that song like you know very very large percentage of that song was done when when i had presented it to to the guys and he came in and just um made it ready for radio and and i i would it would probably been an album cut if it wasn't for max martin you know the uh, the Sam Martin Max Martin connection. There we go. <laughs> oh no, I, he he inspired me a lot because of his. You know, I had to deduce a lot of his lessons too. There, you can learn his lessons by just listening to his music too. He 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 makes very conscious choices on on things. So, and and I talked to him once. I go, dude, I'm figuring out your rules. I'm figuring out the rules. And he goes, Well, sometimes you gotta break those rules. And I was like, Dang it! It's always one step ahead of me. <laughs> And we've talked a lot about uh, writing, but uh, your producer as well. Is there one side you like better? Is it all just just one process to you? There's just different sides to it. Well, producing, like to me, great producers are great. Like one incredible skill set with, um, you know, especially drums. Like people that have a, a talent for drums and um, sonics and all that. And that never was my gift. I, I can do like. Oh, you know, like you'd be like, "Oh, that's good," but you'd never go, "Wow, that guy is so ahead of his time with his drums." So, what I'm always leaning on, people end up like producing the role that I play when I get producer credit is when I envision what the song could be, and then I give, you know, basically after my initial like voicings of chords and the different anticipate, you know, different things like that. I'm usually leaning on somebody's so much of production is drums and then sonic you know and then sonics that uh my my main I, I kind of t- after the initial spark I will take a a back seat almost 100% of the time and uh until the end you know and then finishing and and making sure we're is is this as good as it can be you know and uh so I like in want to want me for instance they they were very generous to me uh, because I had I had thought of the two key elements, the the basic foundation of the track, which became what you know, which then became that song, and and so they were all like, wow, if you hadn't if we hadn't 
it was just a vision I had, you know, and then the, the, everyone executed it so well, you know. I really feel the the whole game is besides, you know, production, you know, drums and all that, but this is this whole pop music thing is about vocal performance. Are you believable? Are you is this an incredible vocal that is this an incredible vocal take you know and that that i spent a lot of time on the vocals because so much of the i learned that from luke too the power of the vocal should carry the song and the production should support that and so it's really a game of vocals you know unless you're doing drops like edm drops that's that would be uh just as important in that genre you know so you you got that's where i uh end up focusing a lot because I also I'm a singer obviously and so I I can communicate and I can uh, I I know when someone's phoning it in or when it's when there's a magical take you know I I usually hopefully will recognize that you know and of course not only with the producer hat but now of course moving into into the spotlight yourself singing um, the song Bring Me Home uh, released just uh, not too long ago Um, what other music can we expect from you you know in the next uh, coming weeks and months you know, there's lots of stuff. I'm writing songs all the time. It's just a matter of when I really connect to one that I, or, or and, and I just want to be honest, you know. I think that's the thing, like, that's really attractive about music in general is that even if you're having fun, like, then honest, just the honesty about whatever the emotion is, I think it, I think it sort of a subconsciously connects to anyone, you know, and they can kind of feel it when you're being real. And uh, and that's sort of what I've been hypersensitive to lately. It's just kind of been a, a new conclusion of mine. Like I feel that, you know, John Lennon was, you know, as whatever guy he was, he he was a uh, he really was trying to be honest, even if he was saying bad things about himself. And I feel like he. It's funny how his he's still lasted all these years, and other people have kind of faded away, you know. And uh, I I always just felt that honesty was whatever it was whether you're having fun or whether you're emotional or whether you're you know doing anything was really the answer uh and and i don't know that's that's what i'm trying to do so these are great insights thank you so much sam really i wish you the best of the new music and sounds like exactly what you're just saying if it comes from the heart it's probably going to connect because that's that's what music does it connects people this is all great to hear this from you thank you so much well that was great chatting with you well, thank you, too. And, of course, for our listeners, the song Bring Me Home out now. So Sam Martin making his way from songwriting producing back in the studio into the spotlight. So be sure to check that out. And if you don't like the song, you might like the video. <laughs> so if you yeah, give it, a, give it a second chance on YouTube and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you Thanks guys. so much, Sam. Take care, Sam. Thank you. clip of sam martin bring me home his new single we're just talking about it uh breaking out on his own as an artist after writing hits for so many others fun conversation trevor one of the interesting things is you talk to a songwriter you try to get some of these insights about where songs come from and there's sam telling us he even he doesn't know where songs come from sometimes it's it's a mix of of craft and and uh repetition but still inspiration comes when it comes yeah, that's, that's the craziest thing because you hear all these stories about people who, you know, wake up in the middle of the night or have a dream or whatever. And they kind of scribble some words down and there are people who, um, you know, sometimes like keep little notepads or books on them or whatever. And it may be a phrase like I think with Saeed Garrett, Man in the Mirror was a phrase she wrote down a couple right. of years before she wrote that song. And, you know, just was flipping through it and, and it just kind of came all of a sudden. And then it's always funny to hear people when they say, you know as soon as they they got the idea and the hook they wrote it out in five minutes and ten minutes you know they just poured it out so um same thing with him you know it just when it when it strikes it it's powerful yeah and uh interesting too because it's become like a a pet question of mine about uh songs by one songwriter and how that uh, just doesn't happen uh like it used to but interesting uh, industry insight uh, from sam how he's saying that uh, years ago 
uh, because of the way contracts are now, uh, you you get a writing credit if you just contribute the smallest part of a song. So change maybe, a word, yeah. Maybe uh, years ago, uh, that's that's part of why that stat is is so starkly different now. So interesting uh, to find that out. Well, I think you know maybe everybody also is really is really legal conscious nowadays. I mean, they don't want to get sued. We've seen a lot of people sort of add writers on. You know, once the song becomes big, because they maybe it's a little too similar. Let's not let's let's avoid any kind of. Any kind of problems, any kind of footsteps. I mean, maybe especially as royalties aren't, you know, paid out as as well as they used to be. I mean, that can the wrong lawsuit, the wrong the wrong uh, jury for Robin Thicke can cost you basically everything you worked for. All right, uh, we started talking about Taylor Swift for most of the podcast. Let's flash back to another female superstar. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, women holding it strong at numbers one and two and wanted to take some time out to uh, celebrate a, another another strong woman out there and all the women who don't need any men to save save the Billboard charts. Uh, we're going to take a look back at 1985, Tina Turner. We don't need another hero. As we mentioned at the top of the show um, earlier, Mariah Carey having one of the great comebacks in music history. And this one, though, probably has to go down as the all-time rejuvenation tina turner um 1985 had just come off the album private dancer 1984 that has the uh songs what's luck got to do with it private dancer better be good to me bring her back into the top 10 bring her back to prominence at age 45 it's not that old i i you know the music could you imagine somebody today a 45 year old you know who'd been away for the better part of a decade plus all of a sudden just just exploding I mean, Cher, Cher kind of probably can relate to that in, in a way. I mean, right. she was 52 it, when Believe became a kind of an out-of-the-box hit. Mariah's 47, so it would be kind of like Mariah suddenly having a huge hit. Yeah, it, having been away probably since about really, really the turn of the decade for, for most people. Right. Um, her last top 10 came in 09, so. Right. But, but even then, she didn't she didn't quite have the obscurity and the lows that Tina Turner did um, after, you know, the divorce with Ike. And, and she put out a few albums, even putting out a country album. I don't think people know. Tina turns the country on. One thing people know about Tina Turner um, when they look at her physically is people are always admire her leg. People think she has great legs. Um, so they used a lot of that in the What's Love Got to Do With It video, um, which actually they, they shot twice. And the one that's in, there's a black and white version. You can actually find it on YouTube and some of the, uh, the video sites. And then there's the one in color that actually, you know, was the one that aired. Uh, so huge year for her. She follows it up the next year in 85. Uh, starts off by winning three Grammys. Not a bad way to kick off your year. And is in the film Mad Max, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, uh, playing Auntie Entity, and she contributes the song to the soundtrack. Becomes another number two hit for her on the on the Hot 100. So right back there in the top five. Next year she comes back even uh, once again, another number two hit in Typical Male. And you know with this this era, I mean, it set her up for for the long haul. Maybe she didn't have this enormous chart success and these these lengthy chart runs after this this period in the mid 80s, but it set her up for tours. I mean, her tours still sell outstandingly well and contribute a huge part to her legacy. And um now at the uh the tender age of 78, happily retired, renounced her US citizenship and lives in Switzerland. So from Nutbush, Tennessee, way back in the day, all through um the turmoil with Ike, you know, the hits Proud Mary and and, and all that era. This 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 dip, this huge comeback, and now she uh, lives in the Alps. Seventy eight. That's just you don't think of her as being seventy eight years old. She's yeah. always kind she of been born timeless. in nineteen thirty nine. I don't think people would realize this. She, Tina Turner is older than Aretha Franklin, and I don't think people would like would would think to put that together. Right. Well, Aretha had uh, the solo hits in the sixties. You you kind of maybe tend to think of the eighties for Tina Turner. Yeah. When, when, dude, she come back to almost to the point where she just. Totally reinvent herself. Uh, yeah, exactly. I remember uh, being in radio, too, in 1993 when uh, I Don't Want to Fight became a top 10 hit on the Hot 100, and that took her into another decade and it brought her to a whole other audience at that point. Yeah, and in particular, I mean, the film, that's from the film soundtrack to What's Love Got to Do With It, right. uh, really based based on her life, Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, outstanding performances. If you have not seen this film, it is honestly such a good film. And now's the time in the podcast where I present a memory from a time before Trevor was born. Uh, let's go. Let's go to Gary's uh, Gary's 
like a like what would you say a picture book? Uh? No, I just remember in um, sixth grade. So it was eighty five, eighty six. In, in sixth grade chorus, we had music music class because it was chorus. Yeah, uh, we sang. Uh, we don't need another hero. And everyone was so excited because, you know, sometimes you'd do uh, older songs. They'd present songs that you hadn't heard. Like so this, standards or something. Yeah. So but... this was a current hit. Everyone was so into it. And I actually wasn't into pop music yet. So totally new to me. Did this Was the song that, like, opened your eyes? Took a, <laughs> took a couple more years until, until about 88. I remember uh, someone saying, uh, as a Whitney fan, Trevor, Greatest Love of All. Someone saying that. So it, whenever there was, like, a current but, but pop they didn't hit. they it as well. An 11, 12-year-old you're going you're gonna to criticize? There are, I'm sure Whitney at 11 or 12 would have knocked it out the park. So, yeah, no, I just remember, right, every time there was a, a big pop song like that, it just got everyone that, I suppose that would be a smart move. You mix in current hits with the standards. Well, so I want to so know, first teacher out there to put Bodak Yellow into her core, into her fall <laughs> choir program, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you should get a raise. Uh, I'm taking Cardi B this semester. That's, that's it, yes. Uh, yeah, but uh, shout out to Tina Turner, uh, 1985 song. We don't need, we don't need another hero from uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. All right, that is this week's Billboard Sharpie podcast. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll see if Taylor Swift gets another week at number one with "Look What You Made Me Do." Talking about Cardi B, she's moving up. Uh, no pun intended. With uh, Bodak Yellow, money moves to number two this week on the Home 100. And if "Look What You Made Me Do" keeps coming down. And, and Cardi B keeps gaining, we really could have a challenge for number one. And uh, one other guy who's also coming back after a little bit of hiatus that people will be watching out for, Sam Smith. Uh, the song Too Good at Goodbyes coming out last Friday, so it should make a big splash um, potentially on next week's Hot 100. Could he also be in, in the hunt for number one? And I guess this, as soon as the women get their moment... All right, uh, we'll find out. Well, Sam Smith has never won to back down from a challenge. Um, also, he's never had a, num- a number one on the Hot 100. Came this close when Stay With Me got to number two. So could be a nice career breakthrough for him as well. So that's next week on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. We're talking a lot about Tina Turner. Should we close with another Tina Turner song? Uh, close, but not quite. We'll actually stay the same year as Tina Turner in 1985. And we'll do a song that was originally intended for her, apparently, but she did not have the time to record it. So instead, Eurythmics, looking for a new duet partner, went to Aretha Franklin ah. instead. The song, yes, is from 1985. Sisters are doing it for themselves. And, of course, in honor of women being numbers one and two on the Hot 100, the sisters are back in full force. And so we'll let Aretha and Annie pay tribute to them. And, all right, y'all ready? Let's go, sisters. So, sister, flow, sister, let's go, sisters. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.